on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Running Rebels Coaches Show. Presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Welcome once again. We are at the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Hello, Kevin Kruger Radio Show. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, and head coach Kevin Kruger. Going to talk Runner Rebel basketball, review the uh, the Boise game, as, as competitive a college basketball game as you're going to see. It really was exciting until it got uh, taken away. He's not allowed to say it. I will. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, the, we'll uh, preview this week's game uh, because it's a bit of a unicorn. The Runner Rebels taking on Air Force. Uh, only time during the regular season those two teams are going to meet. And the week preparing for Air Force is always special. We'll also have a special guest as Barrett Perry, assistant coach Barrett Perry, will join us. And we'll get to know him a little bit. And uh, you'll be entertained, I promise. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll bring in head coach Kevin Kruger and coach. Uh, uh, this, this has been, you know, the schedule this year has been so strange. And, and this you know, where, where it was either compressed and you had, you know, four games in eight days or, like, you've got going through right now two games in, what, 11, 12 days, uh, maybe even more that uh, the Rebels are going through. Uh, it, it, it's hard to get a rhythm going, even at this point in the season. Yeah, I think this is a – I mean, everybody goes through it. You know, they, there's, a, there's a strategy from the conference office of, you know, you kind of go through a really tough stretch where – you have to pick your off days really wisely, your travel days, this, that, or the other. And then there's a stretch where you get a little more time to uh, prepare. Um, you know, if I'm going to complain, unfortunately for us, it kind of came at the end, which can be some good things. But also, you know, while we while we had some uh, injuries and guys in and out, uh, you know, at the middle, I guess, is kind of the perfect area to have that. But uh, at the same time, it's been a good it's been good for us because, you know, with EP out, with Lou out, um, it, it's it's really allowed us to just uh, we've got 10 guys that are healthy, uh, 10 scholarship guys, and uh, we've been able to just kind of go up and down a lot and, and just let guys play, let them kind of figure each other out, uh, you know, problem solve together. And uh, just like in Boise, you, you know, you got the guys that are available, so you know what you're going into each game with. Real quick, if you could give us a, a health update on those two guys, on Lou and, and EP. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything different this week. It's uh, potentially a game time decision, but uh, you know we'll we'll know more even tomorrow uh, going into that. But uh, you know, two guys that it's it's you know when you you just really feel for a guy like EP Eli Parquet who's uh, playing in his last year of college and uh, has just been really frustrated because even when he came back, he wasn't uh, able to move and and play the way that he wanted to play. Yeah, it was pretty clear. It wasn't the same Elijah Parquet that we had seen during the non-conference schedule. CT? John? How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this is the time of year where uh, maybe uh, from a player's standpoint, it might be nice to have a, a couple of extra days to, to get the bumps and bruises uh, healed up as uh, Ron Rebels get ready for Air Force on Friday night. It definitely doesn't hurt. I mean, they say Father Time is undefeated, uh, but during the course of a season, anytime you get days off are always good things. Um, especially when you're on the road or at home or the dog days of practice, like, like Coach Kruger's going to put them through. Um, but you just <laughs> want the guys to get healthy and, and make sure they stay locked in mentally, um, but also handle the responsibilities off the court. 
Well, locked in mentally was something the Rebels certainly were at Boise. And, you know, there were a lot of questions going into that game. Boise had beaten the Rebels pretty handily here at the Thomas and Mac, and, and they'd been on a roll. The Rebels had been on the roller coaster ride uh, since early in the conference season, uh, you know, winning at the pit, uh, going and, and, and on little winning streaks and then little losing streaks, and as we've talked about it, up and down. And so um, there, there was a, a question as to what was going to happen in that Boise game. And the Rebels came out, and from the jump, uh, they were competitive. They were into Boise's uh, uh, stuff, both offensively and defensively. And I was, I was really proud and I was really impressed with the way they competed, down two starters especially. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, there's a, you know, we struggled. I mean, there's no, we're not, nobody's denying that. And then you, you go and you play against a team who's uh, fighting for a conference championship and playing really well, uh, playing with a high level of confidence, um, you know, same starting lineup, same group that played together all year. They're in a great rhythm. Um, and, and, you know, you just want to go in there and fight and compete and give yourself a chance to win the game. And I thought uh, the guys did that from the jump. I think the biggest lead each team had was seven. So it was a, it was a, a good game throughout the throughout its entirety. And uh, um, But they, they made some big shots when they needed to. And, uh, you know, we were, we were right there. But, of course, just not able to get over the hump. Yeah, I mean, there was a point in the second half even where that game could have gone from 7 to 11 to 15 and, and kind of gotten away from the Rebels, and they wouldn't let it happen. Yeah, not uncommon at all. You know, uh, you see a lot of games every night uh, where a team that's maybe the underdog goes in, or, or, or like you mentioned, you know, down a couple of, of guys in the rotation, and you, you fight for 25, 30 minutes, and then it, you know, kind of the law of averages works out, and it, it ends up being 15 to 20. But, you know, we got, yeah, the crowd was into it. It was a... Uh, it, it, they they were ready to kind of erupt, and the guys just didn't really let them get into that mode. And uh, so, you know, got down seven, uh, drew a foul. You know, got down seven, hit a big shot, uh, got a big stop. And uh, so the guys were the guys were going to fight the entire time. Yeah, and I mean, Curtis, you, you and I obviously were frustrated by some of the things that happened uh, on the floor, uh, especially very late in the game. But we were really impressed with the effort put forth by almost everybody on the floor. Uh, you know, the bigs, David Moka, Vicky Wako, both, uh, especially David, I thought, had a, had a terrific game in terms of his effort. Uh, you know, and, and I thought Jordan uh, played a terrific game. I thought Jackie came off the bench after not playing for a very long time and played very, very well, um, you know, especially considering the, how rusty he might have been. I think frustrated is a polite way to put it, <clears throat> based on some of the calls that you made on the broadcast. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, no. It, again, I think it's, it's this time of year when when things aren't going your way necessarily. You got guys that are in and out of the lineup. In this case, if you've got a couple key players out, you got to have guys that step up. And like you mentioned, Jackie came in um, and, and gave the guys a shot in the arm in terms of offensively. David kind of got back to what he was doing early in the season. Uh, but I think Jordan McCabe, it probably didn't hurt to get some home cooking with mom and dad hanging out a bit um, to continue his, his hot playing and, and hot shooting. So, again, it's good to see the guys rally around each other um, and, and put forth that best effort. But it's it, I don't know if what's better to in that situation to be down key guys and go in there and get ran out of the gym or to play so well without key guys and, and, to, and to feel like you got one taken away from you. It's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, and obviously uh, we're referring, you know, there were things during the game uh, that happened, but it was the, the foul call on McCabe late that uh, – caused Curtis to fire the headset down and me to go crazy. And it was just, it, it wasn't just the, the fact of the call. It was the timing of the call. Uh, both of those things were crazy. We're not going to ask Coach about it. You know what we're talking about. Uh, I've watched the replay a million times. Uh, we were right. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, another guy who has been 
remarkably consistent, and we've talked about him a number of times, but considering what he didn't do in the fall leading up to conference play and what he has done since then, Shane Noel, I mean, out of nowhere, has become a huge factor for the Run Rebels on both ends of the floor, and he keeps getting better and more acclimated every single time out. Yeah, I mean, I, there's really no other way to put it than, uh, I mean, he's been a, a, a dream. I mean, he really has since, uh, uh, kind of since he's, he's stepped forward and kind of taken on that ownership and, uh, and that responsibility. Uh, I mean, we, we really could, we could talk an entire show about just Shane. Um, you know, Shane, like we talked about, we kind of hinted at last week, uh, just the mindset that he had. Uh, you know, he didn't play a lot last year at Arizona. He comes up here. Um, I believe he was the second to last one to commit. Um, him, Carl, and Big Key were the last three to kind of that, that formed out the roster. But he joined a roster with Lou Rodriguez, EJ Harkless, Eli Parquet, Keyshawn coming back, Jordan coming back, Jackie had already signed. Uh, you, you know, he knew that there were seniors in front of him. He knew that this was a situation where, you know, it was going to be a hard lineup to crack. Um, you know, we talked even about would it be best for him to redshirt. You know, we, we discussed that. He asked us the pros and cons. We shared our pros and cons thoughts just because of, uh, uh, of the opportunity. We didn't want him to sit another year without any, you know, with hope and expectation for playing every night and, and to be upset because that's the value that we hoped to, that he would have uh, when the season started for the program. And so keeping Shane around longer was kind of selfishly our idea. But uh, at the same time, you know, after talking and, and going back and forth for a few days and a few meetings, uh, the, the, the unknowns of college basketball won out. And, and honestly, it's a good thing it did because uh, we would have been, had a really tough decision to make, you know, early, well, feels like a couple of weeks ago, but what ended up being January. Uh, early January on whether or not to pull the red shirt. Now you're mess. I mean, the the things that you can do mentally and, and to mess with someone in their career and their path, uh, it, it just really worked out well for us because he stepped in. And if you watch a game, he's he's the most enthusiastic. He is the most vocal, which you have to have. He's. Uh, I mean, he's doing so many things as a sophomore that not only have been great for us and him this year. But to go forward in the spring, go on a junior and a senior as a running rebel, I mean, he's going to be a cornerstone of this program going forward. So with that said, from a coaching standpoint, what do you guys do or what did you guys do to make sure you keep him engaged and to, to be willing to, to kind of stick the course um, through those situations, especially with the transfer portal and the different opportunities that kids have when they, they do have, kind of have the power play? Yeah, and I, I mean, as you know, as a player, of course, it's a – you know, we're not going to sit around and act like every day was, you know, rainbows and sunshine. It's, uh, you know, there, there were some hard days in there where, you know, when you're not playing, it's frustrating. You know, we've, we've all been on teams at some point in our life where we weren't playing and, it, and we were frustrated, not necessarily because we thought even we should be, just you want to play. And, uh, and yeah, so there were days, absolutely, we had to kick him in the rear and say, you, this, this ain't it. You know, you got to do better, this, you know, whatever it may be. And, and uh but I think uh, all of that, you know, meeting with the coaches, uh, you know, Jamal Williams knowing him from, from the Seattle days and, and, and knowing his brother and, uh, and just kind of staying in his ear, just keeping him going on those, on those tough days and those tough weeks. 
as much as anything prepared him. So when he did get this opportunity, much like, as you mentioned, you know, Jackie didn't play for a handful of games, or not even a handful, but just for a couple of games. Another guy goes out, now he's got to play. If Jackie wouldn't have stayed ready mentally, stayed afterwards getting shots, watched extra film as if he was a 35-minute night, night guy, uh, there's no way he would have gone in on Boise and not just had a good game. I mean, he had a positive impact uh, from his minutes in the Boise game, and I think he'll have a positive impact on Friday as well. How has Shane's emergence affected your guys' planning for the future? Because I'm sure that was a gap that that he was sitting in uh, in the fall. He's now emerged and, as you said, become a guy who very likely will be a cornerstone of this program for the next couple of years. So how has that affected your planning going forward? Well, yeah, it's, a, you know, kind of, again, it goes back to, you know, last year not getting a lot of reps. You know, I mean, these guys they, at that age, it, the, the development and the growth of your career, it, it can only be done through repetition and game repetition. You know, we can, we can talk to them about our, our experiences and what you're going to feel and how, what's going to happen and, and try to guide them. But at the end of the day, they've got to see it. And uh, so, uh, you know, for, for a guy like him at 6'6", 220, and if you've stood next to him, I mean, he's, he's the prototype. Of a, of, a, of a college or a, of a basketball player and uh, so when it, it, when you have that and you have that as your starting uh, kind of as your starting block uh, it's just a huge a huge step but for us it allows us I think to kind of play the way we want to play uh, you know we, we adjusted a little bit for the Boise game you know usually we like to switch a lot of things um, we switched less uh, because of Dagenhart 100% because of his ability to play and we were able to take Shane and say, you are on Dagenhart. You've got this responsibility. <laughs> I know it's not fair. We haven't asked you to do a lot this year. He's probably going to be player of the year. You know, have fun. <laughs> and, uh, but he did. He had an, I mean, if you can go into a Boise game and you say Dagenhart, I believe he ended up with 14. 11. Uh, 11, and, and 11 and 6, I, yeah, I something believe. Like that, one yeah. assist. Yep. There's not a team in the country that is playing Boise State and if you offer that stat line for Dagan Hart, that they would turn it down. And you know, 80%, 90% of that reason is Shane Noel. And meanwhile, while he's doing that and holding Dagan Hart to a mortal line, he's getting 14 himself. Yeah, he has. He's, a, he's been aggressive. And, you know, in that kind of bigger guard spot that, that, that he was playing for us, if you can stretch the floor, if you can draw fouls like he did, um, it just makes the other guys that much more... Uh, dangerous, you know, guys like EJ who had a, had a good second half. Jordan, like you said, Keyshawn's ability to get downhill. Um, even the looks that Jackie had. Yeah. Um, the, a lot of those are just created by you know his ability to bring one of their bigger guys away from the from the paint. CT does uh, does his emergence in terms of the future of this program? How does it how does it change your approach to and your thinking about the next couple of years for the Runner Rebels? And don't be biased because you're from the same part of the country either. Okay. <laughs> um, I've always been a fan of Shane Noel, obviously, um, just from being from the same part of the country. I mean, having watched him play and his brother play and kind of knowing their family, going through the, the AAU ranks and what they did in high school. Um, it, and there's a reason the kid went to Arizona out of high school and was a top 75 kid because uh, he has the skill set and he's, he's got the, the physical tools. Um, My fear, and I hate kind of putting these things out there, but <clears throat> it's almost kind of like 
a double-edged sword when a kid like that, you know what I mean, kind of plays so good because then just the landscape of college basketball these days, I think it, it's like it's like Robin Hood, right? Yeah. In terms of what you mean, stealing from rich and giving to the poor and all that kind of good stuff. But it's it's the other way around in terms of what can happen. But I think if, if kids really kind of buy in and see like the, the grass wasn't greener where you were, then now it is where you are at this current place. Um, and do it for the right reasons and not kind of for the tweets or the retweets and the likes and the, and all the, the social media stuff, I think kids can have a really great career and hopefully they learn from that maturity in terms of going from one stop to another stop. I think he's going to play a big part in it. I think he's the prototypical kind of basketball player, um, especially in the Mountain West Conference. That's going to be big, and that's why Luis Rodriguez, EJ Harkless, Elijah Parquet, I think are so good. Um, but I'm glad I don't have to make those business decisions at all. I just get to talk about them with you, John. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, there there are unknowns, but I, I do think that Shane Noel's emergence has given the Rebels something else to build around. You've got Keyshawn Gilbert. Uh, you've got Now you've got Shane Noel, hopefully a, a Luis Rodriguez for another year. Uh, th- there are things that are being set in place for the future of this program that are, that are really, really exciting. And we spent a lot of time talking about it uh, on the show last couple of weeks. Spent a lot of time talking about it at Boise. The fact that uh, it's another program that has had consistent success of late in the conference because it's had stability, both in coaching staff and in players. And they've got players who've played together two, three seasons. They've had a coach there for 13 years. There's a reason they've been good consistently. And I think it's, uh, you know, kind of hard to argue with that model and that success. And uh, we certainly hope that that continues here uh, for the Runner Rebels. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more with Coach about uh, the program, talk a little bit more about getting ready for Air Force because that's, uh, that's always a unique preparation. I want to remind you that uh, if you want to upgrade your seats, also going to talk about uh, last two home games and, and your, your fifth-year seniors whatever we're going to call them, the guys who don't have any more eligibility and how important those two games are for them. Uh, And if you want to upgrade your seats at the next Rebels game, at the uh, 6.30 tip against Air Force on Friday, uh, be sure to be uh, the first to show your Toyota keys at the Toyota table located at Portal 4, once inside the Thomas & Mack, and you'll receive four upgraded tickets courtesy of Toyota. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. EJ bounces the ball to Webster. Webster underneath to Noel. Noel gets taken hard in the air, lays it in, and a foul. Mm. What great hustle by Gilbert and Harkless there, and then a great pass by Justin Webster hitting Noel underneath. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry, with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. Told you Shane's having a good year. Uh, <laughs> that uh, play from the Boise game, uh, just a great battle by the runner Rebels from the start uh, against the number two team in the conference uh, on the road and uh, just fell a little bit short. John Curtis and head coach Kevin Kruger with you talking runner Rebel basketball. Coach, it's the time of year, and we won't have another coaches show before uh, the final game, I don't believe, the final home game uh, against Utah State. But uh, this is a time of year where you start thinking, you know, guys – playing out the string and uh, finishing up their collegiate careers. You mentioned Elijah Parquet. You've got E.J. Harkless doing the same thing. You've got Jordan McCabe doing the same thing. Uh, final two home games for them coming up, and uh, it's a big deal. It is. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of the weirder feelings of your, of your uh, athletic career. You know, the last time you 
the last few times you walk down to Tom's Mac for practice, the last few times, the last time you go into the locker room, um, even that week leading up to it, knowing, you know, it's the last, you know, handful of times you're going to do it. It's a, it's a weird, almost indescribable feeling. But, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, you can't say enough good things about Jordan. Uh, actually, the first, the first commit that we had, you know, when we had one player on the team last year, and uh, and he was hurt. <laughs> and uh, we had one guy returning, and uh, so Jordan made two. And uh, but he, you know, he jumped in with both feet, and uh, we've we've had a, a great time with him. He's, he's a he's a great human, uh, great guy. Uh, but and then of course uh, EJ, you know, kind of started a, that that uh, you know kind of friendship relationship from afar, watching him at, at Oklahoma, and then. Uh, coming over it's uh it's been great to be around him he's as competitive as anyone as you guys have seen um and and a large reason that we had such a great start to the year and uh you know a, a centerpiece of that kind of that defensive uh minded group that, that we were able to have to start and then of course ep right there with him um not a uh, a guy that's going to say a lot uh you know we he's a, he's a very uh to himself person but uh, again, another uh, another centerpiece of that of that great start for the year, and uh, unfortunately for him, you know, I think I believe December seventh was the last time he felt good, and yeah. uh, it's just uh, you feel for him, um, you know, leaving Colorado for just kind of a handful more minutes um, to just be more of a of a contributor, somebody who was more relied on every day, and uh, and we really couldn't have relied on him more, especially early, uh, because his uh, his presence on the court was was undeniable. And uh, so your heart hurts for him, but um, at the same time, we're, we're incredibly grateful and thankful for all three of them. Yeah, and, and CT, you remember your days uh, at, at uh, UNLV, obviously your career, you, know, you spent your entire career at UNLV, uh, and, and how special this time of year is, and you know what those guys are thinking and, and feeling a little bit. I remember it like it was yesterday, John. I think it was a beautiful early spring afternoon. It was a Saturday, <clears throat> probably like March 2nd. We played Utah. It was a whiteout. I finished with 22 and 10. Almost had the triple double. But Coach Kruger told me to take off the all black shoes at the first media timeout. Um, no, so that's why I remember it. <laughs> um, no, but like Kevin said, I mean, those are moments that you, I mean, again, I think college was, and some of you might remember your college days were just a hair tad later than mine were, but um, some of the best days of your life, right? You make some friendships that last a lifetime, um, and, and really kind of where you grow up and, and try to figure out who you are and where your place is in, in this world. Um, and, and those guys that you kind of go through those fires with in, in those dog days, is, and that's where you kind of you cut your teeth, and, and those are the moments that you remember. Um, and so I, I know these guys are going to appreciate it, um, even if they weren't here but, but only a year or two. Um, there's definitely a, a fun ride that it, they've been on, and it's not necessarily over yet. So a lot, right. a lot can happen, especially once you get to March for those three, three days in a row, um, hopefully not four. Absolutely right. And, and Coach, uh, you know, Curtis and I get to, get to be – Fairly close to the team, obviously not as close as you, but our impression is that this is a group that uh, has bonded together pretty well. And I would imagine that these last two home games uh, for those three guys are going to mean a lot to everybody on the roster. They are, and I think, uh, you know, kind of along those lines, if, you know, if you're at practice yesterday or today, uh, you would have seen a, a highly competitive practice uh, in large part because, you know, Jordan, EJ, and, of course, EP being there, but, uh, you know, this is not only a group that, you know, of course, like, like we said, you know, we've got 10 healthy guys, so they're competing, they're, they're getting after it. 
but uh, it, it's a group that feels that, like Curtis said, that there's no reason for, that this thing has to be over soon. It's a, it's a group that there's still a lot of confidence that we're going to get better this week, we're going to get better next week, we're going to have some momentum going forward. And, uh, and the best part, even today, it kind of hit me a little bit, uh, was just kind of the confidence that they helped to kind of give back to me. Uh, just because if, if they didn't truly believe that, the, these practices would be really bad. Um, <laughs> yes. I played on a team at ASU. We had some, a similar issue. We had some, some older guys go down. Uh, we played a lot of freshmen in the Pac-10 and, and, and took it right on the chin. And, and when it got toward the end of the year, these practices were not, they weren't good. You know, it was a, it was a, a running out the clock situation. Um, but uh, not getting that sense at all from them right now. And uh, so that, that kind of helped perk me up a little bit even today just because uh, this is a group that still believes they're going to go out and win every game they play. And to add to that, I think one thing, especially for me, like the motivating factor that, that year went to the Sweet 16 was I didn't want these guys' career to end, like right. those five seniors. I wanted them to keep playing. Um, that was my motivation. I wanted them to, to play as many games as they could because you could see it that they were giving it their all. And so hopefully with the, the tight-knit group that they have, like Keyshawn, hopefully he wants to lay it out there so Jordan can keep playing um, and so on down the line. And guys like EJ can continue their career. Uh, but, again, that's what motivated me. I was I was sad when it was over. I knew I was coming back. knew I had another year, but these guys didn't. So that's what that's where the, that, that kind of sadness and that um, that just, dang, I wish we could have did more for them. So hopefully that, that kind of permeates with the group. Great point. Well, and, and, and this week, it's kind of like you're driving along and, you know, even though the, the, the road surface might change a little bit from game to game, you're still just driving along and everything's the same. And then this week, all of a sudden, they tell you, okay, you got to do the next mile in reverse with your eyes closed because you're playing Air Force. And it's an entirely different animal, uh, and it's an entirely different preparation. Uh, you only have to do it once. You get to do it at home. doesn't make it that much easier. No, it, it's by far the most unique uh, prep uh, that, that we've had this year. Uh, you know, you, you run into a couple teams, uh, you know, even going back to Dayton, um, Wyoming last year, where you just say, guys, they are this tall across the board. They're way taller than us. They're bigger than us. We've got to do this, this, and this re- at a really high level. You know, you play against uh, Utah State that shoots it the way they do. You say, we, we're going to do this. But it's not, to- it's not a foreign language to them. Uh, but with Air Force, it, it can be a little bit of a foreign language. We're not, you're not going to see any team that cuts as hard as they do um, that passes it when you think there's nobody to pass to like they do, uh, that shares the ball in the way they do like, like Air Force does. So, uh, And as, as Coach Perry will touch on as well, being his scout, you kind of almost have to, you have to re, kind of reboot a little bit. You've got to uh, you know, deprogram some things that you do normally um, to t- try to take away what they do well. And uh, but it is it's good in the in the sense we talked about that little uh, that kind of the stretch of days in between. Um, that so when you have days for West Virginia or for West Virginia, going back to that's a big twelve days. But uh, <laughs> Air Force is similar. The more days you have to get ready for them, um, you're definitely going to take those anytime you can. Kurt, you're you're smiling uh, about uh, I know when you think about getting ready for Air Force. Oh, and I was thinking about Coach Huggins trying to have the patience for his team. To play. <laughs> West Virginia, it's like the same thing. Like yeah. they're incredibly physical, and you need you, anytime you get more days for them, you feel better for in sure. Big Twelve. And I have no idea why that <laughs> where, where that came from, but uh, um, yeah, exciting. No, like Kevin said, I mean, you have to do you have to strip everything down and, and forget everything that you learn in, in all your fundamentals going into Air Force because you can't you can't rely on that because 
everything they do and want to do is against the grain of what you, you approach or what you preach and what you, you, you approach throughout the season. Um, I still have nightmares of the Air Force prep. Um, but it's funny because, and I've said this before, when I played, it was me, Renee, I want to say Scotty Hoffman, Joe Darger. Uh, we, and me, Renee, and Joe, that senior, senior year, we played most of the minutes. But we were the ones that had to run the scout team because we were the ones that could handle it and understood it. Right. Um, and I think that's where you can get the, the biggest advantage is if you can know how to run it, you can know how to defend it. Um, because, again, they do the same things. They, they want to reject the ball screens. They want to dribble at back door. They want to throw into the post. They want to um, spin out of that and throw a baseline to the weak side corner. Um, and they want to crash the, crash the boards. And then they want to slow it down and see if you have the patience to play that way. Some teams do. Some teams don't. The luxury I always appreciate is that you get to play them once, and like in football, you kind of see them once and figure it out, then you get to see them that second time and you have a better understanding of it. Um, but again, you're just kind of thrown in the fire when you play Air Force. And so if you're not disciplined, it's, it's, uh, it, can, it can be a lot to, yeah. to digest and to try to work through. And, and this year, you only see them once. The way the schedule is, the Rebels are, are seeing them for the first time. And what makes it additionally difficult is, as you referenced, the Rebels have a group of guys who've never seen them. And I know the guys who've played, you can tell them, you can show them on film, you can try to run scout, but nobody's going to, as you say, cut the way do the way they do with the speed that they do. Uh, nobody's going to set picks the way they do, um, whether they're 100% according to uh, Hoyle or not. We'll, we'll leave that alone. But uh, the, the fact that, uh, that they run their stuff and they run it so effectively, uh, even on the road, uh, it, it, it's going to take a, a minute or two for the guys to sort of acclimate themselves to what they do. It will, and it's something we've 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 been able, like you said, we've been able to say it that it, there is no real prep for Air Force without without seeing them. So you know, those first few minutes, it's going to be it's going to be really fast. Uh, they do everything really fast, and you can't simulate it to an extent. And uh, so we, we've got to understand that. Those first few minutes are uh, they're just they're vital in just kind of setting the tone of the way we're going to play for 40 minutes because you can't you can't have good two minute three minute stretches and then bad two minute three minute stretches because the way they run their offense if if somebody's out of sync or if taking a break just but because of what they do uh, that person's found and it's either a layup or a wide open three that you're going to give up absolutely well that's uh, Friday night 6:30. At the Thomas and Mac, it's kids' night. Uh, should be a great night. Also, again, second to last regular season home game. Chance to see uh, the guys who are uh, finishing their careers for the next to last time. So we'll make your plans to come on out. Coach, I know you're going to go home and see family. We're going to get Coach Perry on with us for the next uh, couple of segments and get some of his wisdom, uh, wit and wisdom, of Barrett Perry. Fans, remember Findlay Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership, frankly, they're customer-driven. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. McCabe on the right side, out top to Harkless. He shoots a three straight away, and he hits it. And the Rebels still battling are down just two with 3.20 to go. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. Part of that tremendous fight the Runner Rebels put up up in Boise over the weekend and uh, just uh, fell four points short uh, late in that one, but uh, no quitting this team. And uh, they'll need another 40-minute performance uh, at home on Friday night as they take on the Falcons of the Air Force Academy. Uh, 6.30 with the tip will be on the air at 6 o'clock with Runner Rebel warm-up. It is uh, a pleasure and an honor to uh, welcome Assistant Coach Barrett Perry to the show. I can't believe we let it go this long. 
coach. Uh, the best for last, right? Uh, yeah. Always, yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. And thank you very much for, for being here. Uh, as we do with all uh, all of our, our guests, uh, give us, if you would, uh, just a, a quick uh, uh, road to UNLV. What got you here and what uh, got you working with uh, with Kevin Kruger? Well, I had known Coach and his family for a long time, obviously. Uh, Coach Long Kruger as well. And, you know, I'm from this part of the country, and so we had been at Texas Tech and Prior to that, I was up in Portland and several other places along the way, but an opportunity to come closer to home and be a part of this program was exciting for us and uh, get my family in an area where we really wanted to be. And so um, it wasn't that difficult of a decision. We had a great time at Texas Tech and great experience, but uh, we were in Lubbock in West Texas, and, and Vegas is a lot closer to friends and family, and so this is where we wanted to be. Kurt, you want to take that one? Love it. You, hey, you, you want the, the West uh, Texas comments now or what? Uh, well, we can go. I'm here for it. I've been to, I've been to Lubbock, for, Lubbock before. So, so have I, yes. This is, this is definitely, of many things, it's, it's closer to your friends and family, that's for sure. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you and Kevin, we, we played down there uh, back uh, back in Kevin's year and beat, uh, beat the Red Raiders in uh, Coach Knight's first effort to get his 800th win. Uh, it was quite a night. They gave us a tour of all the things that were going to happen after the game when he won. Yeah. before the game, and unfortunately none of it happened. Not the tonight. Rebels, the, the Rebels wrecked it. <laughs> the Rebels wrecked mm-hmm. it, it did. Well, it, it, it's great to have you here, and, and it's we got a chance to talk with uh, with uh, Coop, uh, with Will, with with uh, you know everybody, with Jamal, everybody on the staff, about the unique way this staff came together out of necessity, and I think people don't give Coach Kruger and, and what you guys have done enough credit for having replaced an entire coaching staff uh, not too long before uh, practice started uh, in the fall. Uh, but the ability of you guys to gel and put it together and get things going before injuries and other things kind of uh, got the season uh, a little bit sideways, uh, it, it's really impressive. Yeah, and, you know, this staff, you can see very easily we get along well, and Coach has done a tremendous job putting it together. Um, one thing in coaching, you know, you usually know people. And uh, I think that was really important for Coach Kruger in him choosing guys. He wanted guys that he knew, but also guys that knew each other. Um, and we all knew each other through different avenues and, and spaces in our life to where um, there wasn't this, you know, stone cold, hey, nice to meet you for the very first time type situation. Um, and I think that it's really been probably one of the easiest staffs I've ever been on to just immediately, immediately hit the ground running and get after it and get to work. Um, I think it's a very egoless staff as far as just wanting to help each other do whatever we need to do to get wins and, and to get prepared to play games and to work with the guys. And, uh, again, we, we get along really well. You can see it. Absolutely right. And, you know, Curtis and I spent a lot of time talking about the need for stability and the need for, for this group whether it's players or coaches, to move forward together in order to get this program uh, in the direction and the momentum that, that everybody wants it to have. Um, I think we've seen the beginning of that this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the success of certain programs around the country. One thing that's so important is stability, players, coaches, getting to know each other, spending time with each other, and going through battles together that grow your program, grow your experiences, grow your abilities to get better and better. And I think that's what we're shooting for. And Coach Kruger talks about that all the time, you know, getting, getting coaches and players back for second and third and fourth years to where, you know, we've been through the battles together. Um, and you go through experiences like that and you get close. You go through, you know, tough times and easy times and fun times and all those situations to where, you know, you get better together. 
Yeah, and the Rebels uh, were on their way to doing that. Obviously, a tremendous start to the season with the non-conference. Um, you know, a lot of fans wondering, you know, what happened? Well, the easy thing to say is you lost Elijah Parquet. He's mm-hmm. not been healthy, as Kevin said, since early on December 10th. You, you, And then when he comes back and has a, a blip of health, you lose Luis Rodriguez. You lose Jordan McCabe. Yeah. This team has had a full roster uh, in conference play for exactly a game and a half. And uh, that's awfully tough. Yeah, and I think you forget about Isaiah Cottrell, too, to where uh, I wouldn't want to take anything from anybody that's playing now in that particular position, but I think we had very high hopes for him that he was going to play there a majority of the time in that spot. So um, I think that we've had to adjust and, and recreate ourselves a few times um, offensively, defensively, for what we had, what was available to us. Um, early on, like you said, very complimentary. You know, we were rolling pretty good when we were all healthy, and, and it looked exactly how we thought it would look. And at that time also when we were 8 and 0, 9-0, 10-0, 10-0, then we were saying, okay, now we're going to get ice back, and we're going to have everybody. And then we never got ice back, and then we started losing guys one by one. So uh, Coach has done a really good job of adjusting. You, you know, you saw us, even against Boise State, you saw us do some things diff- uh, offensively to try to change the game and adjust, you know, how, how you know, quickly we shot the ball, which would give our defense a better chance to, you know, get back in transition and stop, you know, quick baskets and things like that. I thought our team really adjusted and did a nice job on Sunday with that. And now you have uh, another series of adjustments as you get ready for Air Force. Uh, and we, we spent some time talking to Coach Kruger about it, as you heard. Uh, it's your scout. Uh, how, how, just sort of from a philosophical standpoint, do you try to impart to the guys how different this is going to be? Uh, I hate the Air Force scout in every way. Um, I did it at Utah. I did it at Arizona State, Santa Clara, um, and now at UNLV. And it's, it's so different. It's so unique. And so many of the principles that we've done from day one have to be adjusted. You have to change people's brains. I like the fact that we've had a couple extra days. Honestly, it's been really nice for us to just be able to step-by-step go through it. I think the guys have done a tremendous job, but it's different. There's, there's, you know, just like when you play them in football, it's a completely different game with how they play compared to everybody else. They do the same thing in basketball. Yeah, it is, it is different. Uh, uh, up there, I describe it as going to the dentist. Uh, <laughs> Down yeah. here, down here, you might be just hanging out in the waiting room or something. But yeah, uh, no, we we're sitting there watching them last night play Fresno, um, and there's nothing enjoyable about watching it. In fact, <laughs> as you watch them, you're just like, oh, we got to work on that too. Oh, we got to work on that. Hey, we better adjust this. <laughs> so it, it, it continuously comes up, and we'll probably be diving into it more tonight and tomorrow. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna take our last break. When we come back. We're gonna get coach to start telling stories. He's really good at that. Uh, fans remember that the Orleans Casino and Boyd thank you for tuning in and for joining us tonight at the Bourbon Street Lounge. Boyd is grateful to have the opportunity in supporting UNLV Sports by hosting the Coaches Show. They say go running Rebels, and if you're not already a part of Boyd Rewards, they invite you to experience life rewarded and join the loyalty program that links you to nine destinations in Las Vegas as well as destinations across the country. Back with our final segment after this, you're listening to the Runner Rebel Coaches Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Rebound tipped, taken by McCabe. He shoots a three, and he hits it. Jordan McCabe with a fallaway three, cuts the lead 2-3 with 43.7 seconds to go. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. We've got Coach Peary with us, John Curtis, and Sister Coach Barrett Perry here at the Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans 
Hotel and Casino. I misspoke earlier. We do have a show before the Utah State game. Show's Tuesday next week. And then Utah State, the final home game of the year, senior night, next Wednesday. But uh, visiting with Coach Peary, uh, who was, we were talking about the Air Force game, but we're going to broaden the scope a little bit and something we like to do, uh, especially with someone with your experience. You've coached in a lot of dis- different situations, different levels. Uh, you're certainly a big part of what's going on with this Runner Rebel program in the new world of college athletics with NIL and with Transfer Portal and all of that stuff. Um, but I wanted to uh, get your idea of, of sort of your vision of this program, where it's headed, and, and what's possible. What's, uh, what, is, uh, what should fans be excited about? Well, I think the fans should be excited about Coach Kruger, first of all. You know, you have a guy that's one of, one of our own here and believes in it, loves it, and wants to take care of it and treat it like its own every single day. When you're a head basketball coach at somewhere like UNLV or anywhere when you're a head coach, I've been a head coach three times, um, it never goes away. You know, I always say this, when you're an assistant coach, you can go to the movies with your kids and you can actually watch the movie. When you're a head coach, you go to the movies with your kids and pretend to watch the movie. And you check your phone and you're thinking about your team and it never goes away. And I think with Coach Kruger, I say that very positively about Kev, it never goes away for him. He's always working on UNLV basketball and that's why we're going to be successful. I think he has a great vision of who we are, what we can become. He's very passionate about it, and it's not an outsider. I think we're very fortunate to have an inside guy, a guy that played here, his father coached here, and cares and loves about UNLV. Um, I think his vision for what we can become is really good. You know, we want to have players that want to be here. We don't want to beg anybody to come to UNLV. We, we want people that are dying to be here and want to be part of this special place. You know, like, like when I came here and probably talked to you for the first time, mm-hmm. one of the things I talked about is growing up in this part of the country, you know, I always thought UNLV was so special. Even when I was at Utah, I was like, geez, UNLV. And um, nothing's changed for me as far as that goes 25 years into coaching. I, I still think UNLV is special and we can be great here. Um, I think Coach has a great vision for what we should look like on the floor, how it should look, how we should, how we should play. And I think we're building a foundation for that. I think we're building an identity. I think we want to have a program that has an identity of having toughness, having stability, having a team that really can defend and then play with a high pace and really have a program that people want to put their arms around and love. Does that all, I mean, that used to matter a lot, the style of play and that identity. Given the fluidity of college basketball, does it matter as much? Or do you think um, if you establish that, you can make it important again? Yeah, and I think if you establish an identity, then you recruit to it. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is recruit guys that fit what we want to do. Um, Everybody plays a different way. Everybody has a different vision of how they want it to look. But I think going into, you know, having a couple years under his belt like Coach has, it will be nearing the end of year two uh, here here pretty soon. I, I think he has a really good feel of what he wants it to look like. Um, and it's not easy as you as you learn and, and become a head coach. You know you have a lot of different ideas. You want to try a lot of different things. I think coach has tried some things these first couple of years, and I think now he knows exactly you know what he wants it to look like, who fits where, what kind of pieces that need to be in the puzzle. When when you look at Coach Kruger and his growth as a coach, because obviously you you said it. He's approaching the end of his second year as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what your pedigree is, and I don't care what your what your background is. You, you move over one seat or three seats or whatever it is for the first time, there's a lot to be learned. And uh, every place is a little bit different. I maintain that UNLV is a difficult job. Expectations are very high. 
Uh, resources are very good, uh, but there's an expectation that comes with all of that, and that adds a little bit of pressure. Um, I hear a lot of optimism in your voice. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. You know, it's funny you say that. The first time I became a head coach, when I went from assistant to head coach, you know, I said to myself, well, be careful what you wish for because you wake up with a grill on your chest and you're trying to just get out of bed and say, okay, this is going to be okay. And you only moved over 18 inches. Um, I think coach has handled himself very well. Um, and he's in a spot now where uh, he knows exactly what he wants it to look like. And, and again, it's a trial and error thing. We all learn and we all grow. And we all get better. Um, programs that, you know, continue to stick to their guns and, and, and fight for how they want to play and fight for the players that they want to have in their program and don't just sway back and forth with what's popular from year to year, I think really struggle. I think coach knows who he is and what he wants it to look like. And so that's really nice for an assistant coaching staff like we have. We know what coach wants. We know how coach wants to play. We recruit to it. We coach it. And we live it that way. Kerr, we've seen a lot of coaching staffs come through UNLV in our time here. Uh, this is a terrific staff, and uh, it's our fondest wish that this staff stays together because, you know, in addition to just the fact of stability, the guys involved, the, the actual talent that Kevin Kruger has put together in terms of an assistant coaching staff, starting with this guy right here, is pretty impressive. This is my, my nice way to put it. That you, be, you better not go anywhere. <laughs> we, we my wife's feeling pretty comfortable in our house, so I, I, I think we're settling in. Good. My boys, my family really loves it. We appreciate um, that. Not, and, to, and to your point, John, I think it's even more important to have an identity and have a culture right now um, because I think that's what's going to be able to attract the recruits, especially with the landscape of college basketball. I think the teams and programs that don't, they're the ones that are typically kind of losing some of those guys on a mass exodus. Uh, so I think it's, um, it's good to hear that coach is saying that that's what they really want to establish um, as their foundation. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to get right to it. No egos except for when you guys are on the ping pong table. Yeah, so ping pong table, you, we do not get along. You and Coach Saxon. Uh, we fight a lot. He Coach Saxon and I, Coach Cooper words. and I. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But yeah. To, to who, who holds the, the top paddle within the staff? Coach is the best player in the building. Uh, I'm a lot better than Will. I'm better than Coop. Jamal doesn't want to play right now because he hasn't had a lot of success. A couple of managers talk a, lot, uh, talk a big game, uh, and they're good, but we're not going to give them any credit because they really verbally abuse us when we do lose to them. But yeah, Ooh. I think the I hate to say it. I don't just say that because he's the boss. Coach is the best player. But, in his but I think the key statement was, <laughs> "quote I'm a lot better than Will." And let's just <laughs> yeah. leave it at that. If you want to know, I've won 23 out of the last 24 versus Will. But who's Ooh. counting? Yeah, but who's counting? Yeah. 23 out of I mean, we keep a chart. We keep a chart. <laughs> We've got to finish things up. We've had a great time with you, Coach Perry. Appreciate you coming out. Uh, of course, thanks to Coach Guru. We want to see everybody at the Thomas and Mac Friday night. Taking on Air Force. 6:30 tip. We'll be on there at six o'clock with. Runner Rebel warm up over on ESPN Radio. Thanks to Mon back in our Learfield studios. Thanks to Danny Engineering alongside. Now for Kurt, Coach Kruger, Coach Peary, this is John saying thank you for coming out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Friday night. Have a great week, everybody. Live from Bourbon Street Lounge inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Running Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.